0: Do you remember normal? Normal was deciding between a booth or a table. But now, normal looks new. New ways to spend our time. New ways we interact with each other. New ways we experience God. Normal changed. Will you? good to see all of you here tonight. It's good uh, to have everyone that's joining us through Instagram uh, with us tonight as well. Uh, tonight we are starting a brand new series. We are finished with uh, the series that we just came out of Unanswered where we unpacked all the different questions people have about faith and God and religion. Uh, so we've moved on from that and now we are starting a brand new series called Life in Limbo. And, and so this series is designed to help you. Okay, I, I think if we are all being honest with ourselves, the past five months have been difficult, right? They haven't been easy. They haven't, they, they've been anything but normal. And so uh, for a lot of us, uh, w- we went into COVID going, oh, yeah, this is probably gonna last a month. Uh, and I remember right at the beginning of it, everyone was like, yeah, by Easter, we're gonna be okay. You know, like two weeks, slow the spread. We'll be good by Easter. And those two weeks passed, and Easter came, and we're like, oh, yeah, surely by June. I I can remember being in Memphis, uh, and a couple of Elizabeth's friends were uh, getting married mid-June, and and they were starting to talk about postponing their wedding. And I remember her and her mom and myself, we were talking, and we're like, why would they even consider moving their wedding back? Like, they're getting married in June. Like, this will all be over by June, surely, like. Good grief, how long could this go on? And then mid-June came, and it was anything but gone. And here we are, the beginning of August, and it's still a thing. So what do we do? How do we live in a time like this? In a time that is fueled by chaos, that is fueled by insecurity, that is fueled by confusion. And for a lot of people, COVID-19 has brought difficulties like uh, new unknowns, isolation, fear. And for a lot of people, it's brought sickness or even the pain of death. And COVID-19, I think we would all agree, has brought about, described in one word, change. And change makes us. Uncomfortable. Could we all agree on that? That change makes us uncomfortable. I don't know anyone that's gone through COVID-19 and gone, man, this is really comfortable. I really enjoy living like this. I really enjoy for five months being shut in my home, not being able to go see all my friends. I have to wear this thing called a mask on my face all the time. I really enjoy this. I'm not uncomfortable at all. I I don't know anyone, even the most introverted introvert, I would say, during this time has been uncomfortable. And and when we lack certainty, right, we we don't like change because we like certainty. And when we're living in uncertainty, we have these questions like, so what's next? What's next? Or, 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 Or what now? What do we do now? Normal's gone, so what do we do now? And we feel like we've lost this sense of hope. We feel like we have lost this sense of peace. Again, at the beginning uh, of COVID-19, a lot of us hoped that it would be over within a month or even two weeks. Now, I, I, I just hope it goes away <laughs> at some point. You know, And so our, our hope and our peace in a lot of ways has diminished. And so recapturing, refinding peace, refinding hope when there's so much confusion, so much chaos, so much uncertainty around us can be extremely difficult. So how do we do it? How do we find peace? How do we find hope right now? How do we live life in limbo? And so tonight, we're, we're going to open up this series by just talking about how do we cope with change? How do we deal with change? How do we find hope in the midst of hardship? When there's so much uncertainty, so much chaos, how do we find this hope? If you have your Bible with you, uh, I would encourage you to flip open to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to start in the Gospel of Luke tonight, and we're going to be hopping uh, scripture to scripture tonight. I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you just to, to show you how we are going to find this hope in the midst of hardship. And I would really encourage you, if you're taking notes, take notes, please take notes. It, this is, I believe, one of the most valuable teaching lessons that we will have, you know, in the next semester is this series, because right now, this applies to where you are at right now, where so many of you are at. So many students have said, man, I just, I, I don't know, what to do. I feel depressed, I feel anxious. And, and so if that's you, if, if if you at all during COVID-19 have felt stress, have felt this weight on your shoulders, or have felt like this has just been a difficult time, too much for you to bear, listen, take notes, because this is something that you can go back to time and time again. So we're on Luke chapter 23, verse 46. And just to give you an idea of what's happening here in the gospel of Luke is Jesus has been arrested, Jesus has been tried before Pontius Pilate, he's been sentenced to death, he's been beaten, and he's been hung on the cross, right? And Jesus has been hanging on the cross now for quite some time, and he's about to die, In Luke chapter 23, verse 46, there's some powerful words that Jesus says. And, And so I want you to listen to these words. Luke 23, 46. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. If we're going to find hope in the midst of hardship, here's the first thing that we have to do. And it's essential that this be the first thing that we do. We have to let go of control. You have to let go of control. We see Jesus do this here. We see Jesus hanging on the cross, giving up control of his spirit, to the Father. If we look in Luke chapter 22, we see another example of this. Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Here's what it says. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. This is Jesus speaking and praying. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Here, Jesus is before he even gets sentenced to death, before he's arrested, praying to God, saying, Look, please take this away, take this burden away from me. If I don't have to do this, please let there be another way. But at the end of it, Jesus says, Let your will be done, not mine. Jesus gives up control of his life, not just when he's hanging on the cross about to die. I would argue that's a lot easier to to give up control in your last second to say, okay, God, you're in control. But Jesus, before the suffering begins, says, God, you're in control of my life. I trust you. I may not understand why this has to be the way, but I trust you. I give you control. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, We learn how we can receive peace. Put those verses up on the screen for us. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Here's what it says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4 tells us how we can receive peace, and it's by giving up control. You know, in order for us to move from a place of worrying about things In order for us to move from a place of worrying about things to a place of praying for things, we have to trust God. I'm going to say it again, and they're going to put it up on the screen for you. To move from a place of worrying about things to a place of praying for things, we must trust God. you have to give up control. You have to give up control and give it back to God. Only then will you experience peace. But it's a very specific type of peace. It didn't just say you'll experience God's peace. No, it says you'll experience God's peace that exceeds, that passes all understanding we like to cling to control. I would say that we are all control freaks. We are all control freaks. We like control because when we have control, there is a level of certainty that comes attached to it. We may not know all the end results of of our actions or the things that we're going to do, but we at least have a general idea, a general sense of what is going to happen when we are in control of our lives. When I'm in control, I know what I'm going to do each day. I know what my plan may be for the the week, the month, the year. But when I'm not in control, that level of certainty is gone, completely gone. When I give up control, if I, if I give control to someone else, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. You know that uh, just thinking about it right now like I love to drive and there's one reason I love to drive because I can control it. I can control it. I can control how fast we go. I can ensure that we're not going to get in an accident. And if, if you ask Elizabeth, she's noticed this. If I sit in the passenger seat, I'm always holding this handle up here. <laughs> like I'm hanging on for dear life, not because she's a bad driver, but because I don't know what to expect. It's uncertain. It's out of my control. But peace from God passes all understanding, It requires you to do this. It requires you to be content with not always knowing. The peace of God requires you to be content with not always knowing. It requires you to be content with trusting instead of controlling. The peace of God, if you want true peace, it requires you to be content with trusting instead of controlling. You know, I I just think about my personal experiences in COVID nineteen, and it's been hard. It's been really hard for me. And, and I I realize I recognize the the difficulties and the struggles that I've experienced through this are not near the difficulties and struggles a lot of people in our nation, in our city, in our world have experienced. But just from a personal perspective for me, overnight, I went from feeling that I was qualified to do ministry, that I knew how to do youth ministry. And then overnight, it's like the world just went whoop. You thought you knew how to do ministry. Well, here's COVID-19. Good luck doing ministry when you can't gather together, when uh, you have to do everything through Zoom and you have to do everything live streamed and no one wants to get on the live stream, when no one has a routine, no one has a schedule, when you have to take out the quote-unquote fun components. Good luck. How are you going to do ministry now? How are you going to connect with students when you can't physically connect with them? And so overnight, I, I went from this feeling of security in my calling to feeling completely unqualified to do youth ministry. I lost my sense of security. It was very uncertain. It's still uncertain. But but if I can use this experience to tell you something, it's that I have experienced peace when I say, all right, God, you are in control. You're in control. Because me trying, do things. All that leads me to do is stress about things, and be anxious about things, to be worried about things. When I say, "Okay, God, you are in control. You you take charge." That is when I can finally go. Whew, I'm glad I don't have to do that. I'm glad I don't have to be in in control. I can breathe. I'm going to tell you. Uh, This is a constant struggle, and it's going to be a constant struggle for you. It's not just like one time you say, okay, God, you're in control, and that's that, dust your hands, and you're just going to have peace. That's not how it's going to work, because at the end of the day, you're a human being who desires control. You're a human being who desires security and certainty. And so I'm here to tell you, this is going to be a daily struggle for you sometimes, if not all the time, but if you will give up control, if you will be content with trusting instead of controlling, you will find the peace that you're looking for. But so many of us are looking for peace and we're not willing to take the first step to give up control and we're sitting back going, God, why can't I find peace I'm praying, God. I'm praying that you would give me peace. I'm praying that you'd give me your peace and your comfort and direction. Why aren't you answering my prayers? And it's because we are not willing to give, give up our control so that we can receive what God wants to give us. We are blocking God's answer to our prayers. The second point tonight in regards to finding hope in the midst of hardship is also found in Luke 23, 46, and it's also found in John 15, 1 through 2. So I, Luke 23, 46, we just read it, where Jesus said, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. In John chapter 15, verses 1 through 2, here's what Jesus says. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. This second aspect to finding hope in the midst of hardship is not probably what you would expect it to be. The second part is don't be afraid of destruction. Don't be afraid of destruction. Destruction for many of us is scary. But when you look at the gospel of Luke, as Jesus is hanging there on the cross, we see that he had to physically before new life could come. Jesus had to be physically destroyed before new life and the blessings of God could come forth. When we look at the Gospel of John, God it says that God prunes us so we can grow. And any branch that's not, anything that's not producing fruit, he cuts it completely off. The old has to be cut off so the new fruit can grow. The old has to be destroyed. If you have a tree that's just full of dead limbs, nothing new can grow. You have to destroy the old for the new to come. Change is, again, very uncomfortable because change requires us to leave behind something. It requires us to leave behind something in order to receive something new. And in a lot of cases, what we have to leave behind is something that we find security in. It's something that we like. And while we, we might like the, the idea of going to something new, of receiving new blessings, ultimately the thought of losing what we have scares us. It scares us. Now, I can remember going to college. And one of my biggest fears of going to college was not having any friends. Because all through high school, all through middle school, all through high school, I had built up this great friend group that I really enjoyed. I had all these friends at church, all these friends at school. And here I am going to college. And the majority of my friends didn't go with me. Or we just didn't stay in touch. And so while I liked the idea of meeting new people, I didn't want to lose the security of what I had. And for us right now, in the middle of COVID-19, change means leaving behind security. Something, a, a, a past that we viewed as secure that felt normal to us in order to just leave something uncertain. Like that's all we're receiving, that's all we know we're receiving right now. We don't know what this new change looks like. We just know right now the change that we are experiencing will bring forth something uncertain. So we are trading the old, something we found security in, something that we liked, for something that we don't know. But we find hope in knowing that God works for the good of those who love him, that even though we may not know, even though it may exceed our understanding, that God's promises are good, and we find hope when we trust him. But I want you to realize something here, though. As we go through this message, I want you to realize the order of things is important. The order of the of what we're talking about is important. Because you will not be okay with destruction if you're not first willing to give up control. You're going to have to give up control first before you are ever willing to let go of the old things. For you to give up the old, for you to give up the past and be okay with change, you have to be willing to give up control. But here's the catch. You cannot experience new things if you won't let go of the old things. You cannot experience the future if you're still living in the past. You cannot experience the future if you're still living in the past. You cannot experience the new promises that God has for us if you're still clinging to the ones in the past. So it requires us to let go. Another aspect of destruction is this. Destruction leads to renewal. Destruction leads to renewal. They're going to put that on the screen, so if you're taking notes, you can copy that down. Destruction leads to renewal. I want to tell you a story about the nation of Israel, okay? There's a a, a book in the Old Testament, one of the major prophets called Jeremiah. And Jeremiah oftentimes is called the lamenting prophet. A lot of people uh, in Jeremiah's time period thought he was just this big whiner. Thought he was just whining about things. Thought he was being overly dramatic. But here's what essentially went on. Okay, so the nation of Israel was not following God. They thought they were this big, bad country that they could just do whatever they wanted to do. They were kind of the king of the earth, and they could just have their way. And they had forgotten who had brought them to where they were. See, the the Old Testament, as we talked about last week, the Old Testament is the story, the history of God's relationship with the nation of Israel, how God brought them to the promised land, how God fulfills his promises to the nation of Israel. But here in the book of Jeremiah, the, the nation of Israel has forgotten who God is essentially. And so here comes Jeremiah and God said, hey, here's what's gonna happen, Jeremiah. If the nation of Israel doesn't repent, They're going to be captured. They're going to be captured. And so Jeremiah goes to the king and he says, look, dude, we got a problem on our hand. Uh, If we don't repent, uh, Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, they're going to come take us over. And we're going to become captives. And we're not going to really like our freedom being taken away. So whatever we got to do, we need to repent. So take a guess what the king says. You think he says, okay, yeah, repent, we don't want to get captured. You think that's what he says? No. The opposite. He goes, dude, we are the nation of Israel for crying out loud. What do you, repent? If they're coming to capture us, we're going to fight. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Right? So here they are. And to put it in perspective, we're going to pick on, hmm, we're going to pick on Rhode Island. Okay? You know how big Rhode Island is? Teeny tiny. Right? One of the smallest states, if not the smallest state in the United States. It would be like if the United States was getting ready to invade Rhode Island. And the state of Rhode Island says, all right, bet, we're going to Fight the United States of America. All other 49 states, all right, we're coming for you, and we're going to win. How ridiculous is that? Because that's essentially the comparison you have here between Babylon and the nation of Israel. It's completely ludicrous that Israel could defeat Babylon. But here's why they thought they could, because all throughout the Old Testament in their history, They were able to defeat larger nations because God was on their side. They were in relationship with God. That's the only reason they were able to defeat it. But they had forgotten God. They had forgotten that it was God who led them. And so the the king ends up dying, and a new king replaces him. And so Jeremiah goes to the, the new king and says, look, dude. I'm telling you, we've got a huge problem on our hands. We've got to repent. Stop trying to build up the army to fight these guys. It's not going to work. And he doesn't listen. He goes, no, dude, Jeremiah, we're fighting. We're not going down. And so they end up trying to fight Babylon and they lose because they didn't repent. And it's only then, once that they have been destroyed, that they turn to God. That they turn to God. And they repent. See, the destruction of the nation of Israel brought them to renewal, it brought them to a place of repentance where they could turn to God. And that's where in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, one of the most famous Bible verses that, that people know is, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. We read this as this happy, encouraging verse, which it is, but we read it out of context sometimes it's like God is telling this to the people saying, look, you've been captured. You are prisoners. Get comfortable. I, just before he tells him this, he says, get comfortable because you ain't coming out of captivity anytime soon. But here's the silver lining. Here's the hope is even though you are captives right now, even though you have been utterly destroyed, I do have a good plan for you. I do have the, this promise of hope in a future for you. I won't leave you and largely today, I, I think that this is where we are at. I think God has completely destroyed our sense of control through COVID-19. We have been, our, our, our sense of control has been completely destroyed. And I think it's, I, I think he's completely destroyed our sense of control to show us that we were never really in control to begin with that he was the only one who was ever really in control of things. And I truly believe in my heart that this is an opportunity for us as humans, not just as a nation, but as a world, to decide that we're going to ditch our pride and we're going to ditch our control and turn to Christ and turn to God, turn to a relationship with God the nation of Israel fell because they wouldn't ditch their pride and control. And ultimately, destruction brought them to renewal. The third thing for us to talk about when it comes to finding hope in hard times is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16. It's going to be verses 24 through 26. Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Here's what it says. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. I want you, right after reading that, I want you to flip over to Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 through 12 Matthew chapter 5 verses 11 through 12 as Jesus is teaching this his most famous sermon the sermon on the mount here's what he says God blesses you when people mock you and per- persecute you and lie about you and say all other sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers be happy about it be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven and remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way the third thing is this embrace opportunity and endure hardship embrace opportunity And endure hardship. You see, Jesus never promised us a life of security. Jesus never promised us life was going to be easy. Jesus, in fact, promised us that as his disciples, life is going to be hard. In Matthew 5, he says, people are going to talk bad about you. People are going to try to kill you. People are going to make fun of you and persecute you. They're going to kick you out of friend groups. They're going to turn their back to you. And while that may really stink, your reward is not on earth. It's in heaven. So find hope knowing that you're not going to receive the reward you're looking for here on earth because your reward, greater reward, is in heaven. And if we will embrace opportunity, If we will endure hardships, we will find this blessing, this reward. I think in a lot of ways, it's it's very true to say of us as people that we will do anything to avoid difficulty. I don't know anyone that goes, yeah, man, like, I just want to find the most difficult way to live life. I don't know anyone who walks through life going, let me do this the hardest way possible. No, I I would say with pretty close to 100% certainty, most people are like, let me find the easiest way to do this. Let me find the easiest way to go through life because I don't want life to be hard. And in the same aspect, I think we will do anything to help our friends to help other people not experience difficulty as well. But there's a problem when we live life this way. When When we try to live life without enduring hardship, we prohibit growth. We prohibit growth. And, and here's why. be Change is difficult, okay? Change is difficult, but change can be an opportunity to grow. You cannot grow unless you experience change. Like in order for you to grow, something has to change. Something had to change in the parable that Jesus was teaching in John 15. He says that you have to be pruned in order for new fruit to grow. Something has to be taken off. A change has to occur if you're going to grow into who God wants you to be. I want to tell you a very simple story about this. About embracing opportunity. Enduring hardship. I I want you to imagine being the inventor of the horse and buggy. You know what the horse and buggy is, right? You know, a little wagon pulled behind the horses that you know, like the pioneers, when they moved out west, you know, they all hopped on those. Would you imagine being the inventor of that, right? I want you to imagine being in the time when Henry Ford created the automobile. Imagine being that person. Where all of a sudden, all of your security and being the inventor of the horse and buggy, the primary mode of transportation was gone, right? Because here you have a horse and buggy that can go, what, maybe five miles an hour, and now you've got a car. You don't need the horses, and you can go faster and further. All you need is a little gas. And so the, the old way of doing things was threatened. And here's what the owner, the inventor of the horse and buggy found out. This is going to be on the screen for you. Here you go. Here's what they found out. Refusal, refusal to embrace opportunity and endure hardship leads to, and listen to this, it leads to extinction. Refusal to embrace opportunity and endure hardship leads to extinction. How many people do you know driving down Highway 98 in a horse and buggy? How many people do you know driving down Highway 98 in a car? You do the math. You do the math. Let me tell you something encouraging, okay? Who you were is not who you're going to be. Who you were is not who you are going to be. Let me say it again. Who you were is not who you are going to be. God is molding you. God is molding you. But in order for you to go and be transformed into who God is making you, you have to be willing to experience change, which, which requires you to embrace opportunity. You have to be able to look at change and go, this is an opportunity for me to grow. And you have to be willing to endure hardship. It's not going to be easy but this is where we find hope. We find hope knowing that God is working on us and in us. Even in the in the midst of COVID-19, we, we find hope knowing that God is working on us and God is working in us and God is working for us and that God has a great plan for all of us. But the catch is, is we have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to change, to be who God wants you to be, to fully be who God wants you to be. You have to be willing to give up control. You have to be willing to experience destruction. You can't be afraid of it. You have to be willing to let go of the old for the new things to come, and you have to be willing to embrace opportunity and endure hardship. Remember, the order is important. The order is important because if you're not willing to give up control, you won't let go of the old. And if you won't let go of the old, you will not embrace opportunity and be willing to endure hardship. As we close tonight, I want to read you a story about a Chinese farmer. And it's going to be up on the screen for you so you can follow along. Just read and listen along with me. Here's what it says. A long time ago, there was an old Chinese farmer who had a horse who plowed his fields for many years. One day, the horse ran away. Friends of the farmer appeared and exclaimed, We are so sorry for your bad luck. Good luck, bad luck, who is to say that? said the old farmer. Not long thereafter, the horse appeared bringing with him a herd of wild horses. The farmer's friends appeared again and said, what good luck you have to have all these horses now. Good luck, bad luck. Who's to say, said the old farmer. A few days later, the farmer's son was taming one of the horses and fell, breaking his leg. The farmer's friends sought to console him. We are so sorry for your bad luck. Good luck, bad luck. Who is to say, said the old farmer. Sometime later, a group of soldiers appeared in the village, gathering all the young men to serve with them. They saw the farmer's son with a broken leg and passed him by. How lucky you are, said the farmer's friends. Good luck, bad luck. Who is to say, said the old farmer. You may not always understand why things happen. This is a a Chinese story that they've been telling for hundreds and hundreds of years. And the point is, is you may not always understand why things happen the way they do. You may not always understand what God's plan is in all likelihood, we will never understand the whole picture of God's plan. But we can find hope, we can find peace when we trust that God is good. And that while even, even though we don't understand, God is a good God who is looking out for us And we can find hope and peace when God is in control. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together. Lord, right now, if we're just being honest, it's been a hard five months. It's been a hard five months. We miss people, we miss interaction, we miss the way things were. It's been hard, it's been challenging, it's been difficult. Lord, we confess that (laughs) we do not like change very much and we like being comfortable. But Lord, I pray that you would help us that you would challenge us to see the bigger picture. I pray that you would help us to let go of our control so that we can step forward into the new things that you are calling us to and calling us for. Lord, help us, even, no matter how much we may be attached to the way things were, Lord, I pray that you would help us process what is going on and come to a place of peace and hope where we can let go of the old and embrace the opportunity for growth that you have placed before us. And so, Lord, I pray for these students. Any student, any person, Lord, that's feeling anxious or depressed or or tired, From everything that's been going on, Lord, I pray that you would just comfort them and give them this peace. Help them come to this place where they can find your hope and your peace. Lord, show them your presence. Show them that you've never, even in the midst of COVID-19, you've never left their side. So, Lord, I pray that all of these students would come to know the love that you have for them. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't give up hope, but they would seek your hope and seek your peace. We pray tonight as we unpack this message in groups, Lord, that you would just bless our time and help us to come to a greater understanding of this. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for all of the blessings that you give us each and every day. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey everyone, this is Nathan Sell, the youth pastor at Destin United Methodist Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. My prayer is that the Lord would use this podcast as an opportunity to speak life into you. I hope all of you know the love that the Lord has for you and that you are experiencing His blessings each and every day. God bless you and thank you for listening.